0: So we are we're studying the beatitudes. Our notion is that the beatitudes are kind of the constitution of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom, we tried to open up a little bit last Sunday is something that is coming finally and fully later, but something that is arriving in fits and starts in the big ways and small ways even in our world and our lives today. So the Beatitudes will be the rule of the day when the kingdom comes fully, but they ought to be the rule of the day in, in our own lives. And we're trying to get into each one and imagine what it would be like if we lived um, 10 out of 10 times according to the Beatitudes. So the first one that uh, catches our attention is the first of the Beatitudes, and it is this, blessed are the poor, and blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, There are two accounts of the Beatitudes in the Gospels, and in one of them, Jesus is said to have said, Blessed are the poor. And in the Matthew version, he's said to have said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Which do you think he said? I think he said both, right? But isn't it interesting that he would start with such a counterintuitive statement as Blessed are the poor. Because we would be left answering that statement with a question on our lips and on our minds. How could it be that the poor are blessed? What does it mean to say blessed are the poor? Does it mean to say that the poor are happy? Because we would find some evidence that they're not Would it mean something other than that? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And so it's easier to sort of migrate to the blessed are the poor in spirit, and we will. But we're going to start with this statement that Jesus made, blessed are the poor. I've had um, some experiences with poor people that have rocked my soul. One time, uh, a short drive out of the city of Chennai in South India, um, I was introduced to people who were working in a salt um, mine, a, a hill, where salt was being mined out of the hill. It's a ferociously hot climate, and on the white surface of this mountain, indentured slaves work every day and work every day of their lives, not ever expecting to be redeemed from their slavery today. And that is shocking. Another time in uh, Lahore, in Pakistan, a short drive out of the city of Lahore brought us to brickyards where the same sorts of people, every day of their lives, children and adults, are taking clay and letting the clay bake in the hot sun and then cutting bricks out of the the clay and dragging the bricks on carts with donkeys and they do that every day of their lives and do not ever expect to be relieved from being indentured slaves in our world today these are the poor blessed are the poor How? You see, I think we need to come back to that whole corruption notion again. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor, we need to see that apart from the infection of corruption on poverty, being poor in and of itself is not a bad thing and perhaps we will glimpse today At the truth that it's a good thing. There were, through the Old Testament times, what were called the righteous poor. And when I think about the poor that I have met, and even consider the poor in the settings that I've just described to you, I probably, along with being rocked by the reality of their lives, have been even more significantly rocked by a very surprising quality in their lives, the quality of joy. And I have racked my brain for a better word to describe what it is that I have encountered when I have met with gatherings of Jesus followers who are mining that salt mine, gatherings of Jesus followers who are working those bricks. You will see a picture there of a fellow right here. who is a leper, and he's raising his arms, worshiping God. And he's very, very poor. He lives in Shakakalam, in India. You'll see the picture of these folks here who are the brickyard workers. This little boy is a slave in the brickyard. This old man is a slave in the brickyard. These young women had been sold into trafficking in Calcutta. This was the daughter of a rick driver, and a ministry had reached her and is training her to use a sewing machine so she can be raised out of her poverty. These are the hands of little girls in the Mahima home. Blessed are the poor, but the poor, poverty, has been infected by corruption. So it's not the being poor that's the terrible thing. It's the infection of corruption among the poor. So what has happened to the poor? What is it that has corrupted them? Well, um, the cause of poverty by oppressive, sinful intent um, or neglect, Lack of care of the poor because of selfishness on the part of those who could care. Shame of poverty because of societal judgment or cycles of poverty. All of those things are part of the corruption. And what we have been trying to learn is that the corruption has been dealt with and we will be rid of it. And if we can imagine the poor after the excising of corruption, we can begin to get a glimpse at what Jesus meant by saying, blessed are the poor. The poor apart from oppression. The poor apart from blame. The poor apart from judgment. The poor apart from all of the ways that sin has made poverty something that is disastrous in our human family. Uh, Jesus says, when I want to talk to you about living a kingdom life, I'll start by saying, blessed are the poor. And I will coach you to understand what it means then to say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poverty of spirit is a high spiritual value and is learned out of the cauldron of human poverty, of being poor. And we are enjoined to long to be people who are poor in spirit. In the 17th century, there is this uh, mystic who says this, happy is the soul that possesses this celestial blessing that is poor in spirit by the spirit of God, which grace has made poor, and not the trials and coercion of life's misfortunes. Someone has said that there is a lower form of poverty and there's a higher form of poverty. The lower form of poverty is that which comes to us um, at the hand of the fallen creation of which we are part. And the higher form of poverty is one that comes from the Spirit of God. If we were to choose which source of poverty we would rather have I suspect we would rather have the poverty that comes by the Spirit of God. But nonetheless, whatever poverty comes to us, it brings us to the same place, the place of being absolutely destitute with nothing to bring to a situation, nothing to offer, nothing to be proud of, nothing to count on, but simply to be at a place, existentially or spiritually, we are empty, where we have nothing. And and the Bible carefully tries to have us understand that, that the, the economics of God's kingdom are the exact opposite of what we would think should be. It's always upside down in God's kingdom. And if we could only get that right, we'd probably save ourselves a lot of heartache, that in the kingdom of God, it's opposite to what we think. What we think is that when someone is diagnosed with cancer, that they will be thrown into a terrible spiraling darkness And what actually happens is that people find God in a new way. They experience the love of God in a new way. They get insights into God's character that they had never received before. And we scratch our heads and say, why is that? Well, it's because the kingdom of God has upside down values. Poor in spirit is what we're after. To have that quality of life that we would say is just like being poor in real ordinary human daily terms, except turned into a spiritual reality as well, where we say, I have nothing. I bring nothing to the table. I don't bring any genius to the table. I don't bring the best ideas to the table. I don't bring the best resources to the table. In fact, it seems to me that God kind of discounts everything that I might bring to the table and say, I'm sure this will be of use in this situation. And we hear God say, no, no thanks. When you're weak, then you're strong. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Over and over again we're told that when we come thinking we have brought something to the table, God says, well, once you've dispensed with that, th- then we're ready to be in business. I was reading this week in Deuteronomy chapter eight about the story of the children of Israel who were rescued from slavery in Egypt, but rather than immediately be brought into the, the new place for them, the Canaan, new land, promised land for Israel. God let them travel through the wilderness. He he let them travel through the wilderness in two phases. There was the quick route and then there was the long route. The quick route was the one that needed them just to believe God and he would lead them into the promised land. The slow route was when they doubted and quarreled and fought and were sent back into a spiraling or um, repeating journey from Egypt into the promised land and in Deuteronomy 8 here's what God says to his children he says pay attention to what happened that I led you from slavery all the way to the promised land and even though you left behind the tasty meats of Egypt I gave you a food that was better than anything you could imagine in manna every day there was manna ready for you your sandals didn't wear out. Your feet didn't get blistered and sore and cracked and and broken so that when you get into the land that I bring you to, and by the way, it is a land full of blessing. It is a land of wealth. When I bring you into the land of wealth, don't ever forget that I took care of you when you had nothing because you will likely get to the place of saying, it's because of ourselves. It's because of what we have done that we are living in this land of plenty and God's is not so. Because you knew me best when you had nothing, when you were poor in spirit, when you're poor in spirit. What does it mean for you? What will it mean for me to, to try to live into this quality of life that says that we are poor in spirit? It's a free place. It's the place that Dean was mentioning this morning. It's a place where we say, Um, I actually have nothing that I didn't receive because that's what the New Testament says you're kind of proud of yourselves well just what do you have that you didn't receive so someone says write up a spreadsheet with two columns the first column is what I have and the second column is what I have received and they will be identical you might try to put a third column there that says what I deserve but it will be an empty column right? What do you have that you didn't receive? Now, the challenge is that we're actually accountable for what we have received, but we have to bring this measure to that where we say, the way I deal with what I have is to deal with it as though it were not mine, it was given to me, it is not mine to keep. So I will learn to be a steward of it. It's as though God says, here it is, you may have this, but it is for my use under your stewardship and we might honestly say please don't give it to me because that's a big responsibility and it is the responsibility of stewardship is a huge responsibility because God says actually you have to start from zero which says I have nothing that I didn't receive I am poor in spirit but these things I have because I have received them because they have been given to me and I'm responsible for them and that's a big responsibility we might actually say then please could I be poor just poor that's simpler and it is simpler isn't it and Jesus says blessed are the poor but blessed are those who get to the stage in their lives where they are poor in spirit for they will inherit the kingdom the kingdom belongs to them There are two little girls um, who were living in a small village outside of Jinja, in Uganda. And we had a group of people, we made a trek into this little village. And um, we had some things to bring. We had um, buckets where they could use them to gather water, we had mosquito nets, we had various things that were essential for, for living in the primitive conditions in which these folks live in this village. And we came to one hut where there were two little girls. I think maybe five and seven or something like that. And the person that was walking us through the village said that this was a sad situation because these these two little girls were all by themselves in this house. And they're all by themselves because their daddy had left a long time ago. And just a couple of weeks ago, their mommy had left to go to try to find rice in some other village and since their mummy had left the meager uh, provisions that they had of rice were stolen from them by by neighbors who just strong-armed them into and these little girls were sitting at the door of their hut starving hungry as anything and with no hope for rice so all of a sudden my christianity became really basic What is it like when the kingdom arrives into a hut where two little girls have nothing to eat? The kingdom brings rice, doesn't it? It does. So we were able to get rice for them for a while, and there were pastors that were part of our team, and they um, have followed up with these children, and, and they have done better than they were doing. But sometimes at night, I... I think of those two little girls and think, what, what is this world? Because that's a poverty that is the result of a lot of things that I think are associated with corruption. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor, so it has to be true to say those two little girls. Blessed are these poor little girls. God's heart is bent towards these little girls. And here in the West, we deal with the burden of plenty and the responsibility of stewardship. But we would do well to go all the way back to the start and saying, let's figure all of this out from the perspective of poverty of spirit, where, where we have no sense of entitlement, that we, we know we did not deserve what we have. Were you not born in this land of plenty? If you were born in a little village outside of Jinja in Uganda, would you have been able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps? Or might you still be scrounging for some race for today for your little children? So what do we have that we didn't receive? And why would we take credit for what was given to us? Why would we, other than learn to have a poverty of spirit, And say, I have nothing, I bring nothing but dependence to you, my Father. Blessed are the poor because they will inherit the kingdom. This life that seems so long to us will ultimately be understood to be so brief that it was so important that what we did with it um, would need to count. Because when this life is over and everyone sees in perspective how short it was and how fleeting and how deceiving our wealth and riches were, then, then we'll know the truth. And there will be two little girls at least who will have a spot closer to the head table than me and you. Because that kingdom belongs to them. That kingdom belongs to the lepers. That kingdom belongs to these little children who were trafficked. The kingdom belongs to those who were indentured their whole lives long to pay off debts that they could never pay off. The kingdom is theirs and we will with delight see them brought into their inheritance because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Blessed are the poor. Hmm. No, corruption has infected poverty terribly. But Jesus started there and said, blessed are the poor. When you know that you have nothing apart from dependence on God, then you will begin to know who he is and what he can do, and he will move into your life with power. Poverty from below is terribly challenging. Poverty from above is something that our flesh will war against, but is the way of God for us to say, find your way to the place. It's a very hard thing to do. It seems that those that are writing about it or who have written about it are people who have basically gone to live in caves in the mountain. And some of you would probably say, boy, I'd love a cave in the mountain some days. But the challenge for us is not to go away someplace. The challenge for us is to learn how to be poor in spirit in the midst of responsibilities, in the midst of wealth. It's a very hard job. And so the spiritual discipline is of coming to God and saying, by your spirit, give me poverty of spirit in my spirit. Help me every day to let go, to give away, to give over, and simply to serve you, stewarding what is here. And don't ever let me forget about the poor. This place is open every day. That coffee is on every day. Every time you put a toonie for a cup of coffee in there, something happens to poor girls who've been trafficked in Calcutta. So come on in here, bring people with you, and have a cup of coffee, and say, blessed are the poor. Think of the joy that is the anticipation of the kingdom for all of these folks that I've introduced you to this morning. Who, even in the midst of their poverty, are seeing the kingdom arrive for them, are knowing God and walking with God, following him. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Is that good? Anybody want to be poor? Don't we need the spirit to work in us to say, oh, my goodness, we need to catch ourselves on and realize that we're destitute. And it's even more deceiving because we don't look destitute. And we keep bringing our resources, our strengths, our material, and God says, well, I I can use that, but not as well as an open-willing heart that says I have nothing. Remember the selection of the kings where... Man would go and look and say, here's a good candidate, here's a good candidate, here's a good candidate, here's a good candidate. And Samuel, the priest, said, no. Is that all you have? The tall ones, the good-looking ones, the strong ones? Well, no, there's this shepherd boy. You don't want him. And the prophet says, yes. The last one is the one I want. The one that doesn't have the birthright is the one I want. The one that has no strength is the one I want. The one that's out there in the field with the, sh- with the sheep, he's the one I want because that's the kind of person I, I use. Tremendously encouraging when we get that news into our lives for the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will teach us to be humble in spirit with this kind of, of openness to you that that longs for and looks for a poverty of of life and ability and possessions and resources and responsibilities and all the more father as there is so much that's entrusted to us and we must be responsible may we be stewards with open hands to receive and open hands to give as we seek to live into the 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 joy of your kingdom for those in our world who are poor father um, bring them relief through every effort that is expended but bring your presence to them father and warm them and enthuse them by your love for them and by the riches that you bring to them that don't have the monetary value of our world in jesus name we pray